What's up, y'all? Before we dive into today's juicy episode, I just want to extend a huge shout out to the boys at Bravado Spice Company. They sent us these hot sauces not too long ago, and they slap. You may have actually seen their hot sauces featured on the show Hot Ones. My personal favorite is actually the Ghost Pepper Blueberry offering. That said, they have a ton of other amazing flavors that you need to check out. Here at Brand of Sacrifice, we like it hot and heavy, especially in our food. So if you could take the heat, check out Bravado Spice Company. Also want to give a huge shout out to ESP Guitars. If you don't know, ESP is one of the world leading manufacturers of high quality guitars and basses. They've even hooked up Leo with a couple of amazing seven strings for Boss. They're absolutely gorgeous and they sound incredible too. A lot of our favorite artists and peers play these instruments, such as Ingested, Suicide Silence, Whitechapel, to name a few. So if you're looking for something that sounds wild and feels amazing, ESP is for you. And now let's get into the episode. You're listening to Boss Pods. Welcome back to the Boss Pod. Today we've got an extra special guest, our brother, Chris Wiseman guitarist and producer of Shadow of Intent and Currents. How's it going, man? Welcome to the show. Thank you, guys. I'm good. How are you? Can't complain, man. Trying to survive in isolation. How's uh, quarantine been treating you since you've been back from tour? Quarantine has been good. It's, you know, destroyed my sleep schedule. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Got up at 10, which I used to do all the time when I was younger, but it's very unlikely now. And I've just been trying to write music but also trying to chill out since I've been touring so much. So Very fair, very fair. Welcome home. I found one of the hardest things to do during isolation is to like figure out a proper routine to keep yourself sane. Exactly. I'm definitely struggling with that so hard. Like It's very difficult. But anyway, um, so glad you're back, safe and sound. Um, would love to talk to you about the tour you were just on. Um, I understand you had some headlining routing dates and then you were on a tour with silent planet invent animate and gray haven how did that go that was really cool um the headlining dates you know had a month of promotion barely any promotion they were announced you know a month before we played them they they were nice to break up the drive and then absolutely the tour with silent planet was easily you know the best reaction currents has ever gotten that's amazing amazing yeah like a lot of people knew the words, you know, more than ever. Merch was really cool. All the people on the tour were really cool. And overall, it was just very successful for us. Up until it got cut short, we lost the last five days oh, of the yeah. tour, which um, Jeez. was, you know, quite a financial hit. But there were a lot of people that got hit worse. So, yeah, definitely. Sure. That's still tough. Like, uh, you know, we, we were just talking with Austin from Lorna Shore, and he was telling us about how he found out the news on the Faces of Death tour that he had to go home early and, um, you know, what that situation was like. I'm curious to hear if there was any panic on your tour. Like, since you're, you know, here in the United States, you're domestic, it probably wasn't as shocking. But where were you when you found out the news? And, and what, what did you guys do when you found out you had to go home? So it started, we were all, you know, in the van. And then we started seeing more and more news articles and then we saw, mm -hmm. basically, I go through my news feed and like 20 tours got canceled in a day. And then, right. you know, we see Austin from Lorna Shore, Andrew from Lorna Shore posting their tour got canceled. And they had just flown to Europe and played, you know, yeah. tour, one, you know, a few shows. 
And yeah, they just all had to go home after investing all that money to get over there. So they definitely got affected a lot more than we did. But yeah, we were just in the van. Sure. And then we we're like, hopefully our shows don't get canceled. And then we find out California, you know, bands gatherings over 250 people. And of course, the right. show was going to have 800 people at it. So we're like, okay, that can't happen anymore. Then a day or two later, yeah. Texas gets canceled. And we had four Texas dates. Basically, a whole week of tour, which is gone. Ugh, you know, not that wasn't ideal at all. But, you know, we made it home. None of us got the virus. But it was, right. you know, not ideal for anyone. But, you know, we have to keep in mind, there's people like Lorna Shore or even Diet is Murder flew all the way to America, got to play yeah. one or two shows, and then had to go right home. And getting Brutal. into America from Australia is very expensive, from what they say. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure it is, yeah. It's got to be ridiculous. I feel for those boys. That's, that's like the worst feeling in the world, I'm sure. Yes, Absolutely. Well, kind of to shift to something uh, more positive, um, how'd you kind of get your start in music? Give us a background on how you ended up playing and, and writing in Currents and even Shadow of Intent and uh, kind of how you took a role in having a more uh, of a leadership role in, in Shadow as well. Totally. So to start from the very beginning, I suppose when I was six, my parents... You know, my mom plays violin, my dad plays bass, and they mm -hmm. strongly encouraged everyone in the family to play an instrument. So I started with piano at age six and then started cello at age 12. And then yep. I did that for a while. And it was always a pain for me to practice. I didn't like practicing. I just wanted to play video games or <laughs> do something else. And then when I was 14... 13 or 14, my older brother showed me this game, Guitar Hero 3. And yes. Hell yeah. I was very interested. Um, I saw like the name Metallica, and I was like, I've heard of that. I've never really been sure what that is, though. So that introduced me to a bunch of music in general. And I found at that point, I wanted to play guitar. I wanted to listen to metal and play metal. That's what I want to do. It's all I wanted to do. So, cool. you know, my dad reluctantly agreed to get me my first guitar. Um, I got like a guitar amp. I started taking lessons and I pretty much stopped playing piano and cello because I really just wasn't motivated to do it. You know, you're more productive in the long term if what you're doing motivates you. Right, right. Mm -hmm. I just learn as much Metallica as I can and as much Guitar Hero songs as I can try to get as good as possible, as fast as possible. And by the time I was a junior in high school, so after playing two or three years, something like that, I finally have my first band. And we play, you know, start playing local shows. And then I have another yeah. band, senior of high school. And that band eventually plays a VFW show with this band, Burning Beneath. And the vocalist okay. of that band is named Ben Dewar, who many of us know and love. And uh, yes, of course. I was completely captivated by the performance. I was pretty sure he's the best vocalist I had ever seen. So I ran up to him at the end of their set and said, you're the greatest vocalist I've ever seen. Let's collaborate. And wow. Ben is a very kind person. And instead of going, yeah. you go away, 
He's like, yeah, man, absolutely. <laughs> so we, because he watched my band and I guess he liked my guitar playing. So that was nice. Very cool. So we, he does guest vocals for my band and then we kind of decide we're going to write some music. So originally the idea was I was going to use an eight string and we we're going to make music exactly like a version's crown, this band from Australia. Really? And right. it came out very mediocre. And I was like, all right, maybe I'm not good at this. Maybe we'll try something else. So I took all the songs I had written for my first local band that had just broken up and said, Hey, what if we use these? And he said, yeah, that's awesome. So these songs were basically a culmination of like, as blood runs black and demo burger and just some of the, it was basically as blood runs black, but with like adding synths over it. And so that became our first demo. It became uh, called Inferi Sententia. And we recorded that, I guess, my freshman year of college. It was actually like on my birthday is when we started doing it. And then that same year, freshman year of college, my roommate shows me this band, Currents. And I was like, oh, this band's from Connecticut. This is the best Connecticut band I've ever heard. They're like technical (laughs) and they're dark and they're more of like what I'm into. So I finally get a chance to see them live um, and they have like one guitar player. So I look at their page and they have a post saying that they're trying out guitar players. So I reach out and get an audition set up and then I don't get accepted. I guess they already had a friend that they wanted to use. I'm like, all right, that's fine. I have. Sure. I'm going to release this EP with Shadow Intent and I'm going to keep playing in my local band and see what happens and then a year goes by a whole year our ep comes out and their drummer jeff current drummer jeff reaches out to me again and says hey do you want to write our album with us i'm like okay wow that's fine with me so (laughs) i meet up with them and pretty much after the first session they asked me to play guitar for them full time and their uh original guitarist mitch leaves the band so at that point, I'm the new guy. All I really do is write and play guitar. There's other people calling yep. the shots. Everyone, you know, has okay. their opinions. But ultimately, I was nowhere near the manager of that band. Um, sure. <laughs> I was still stoked on it. We, you know, won that Warp Tour Battle of the Bands. So we got to play Warp Tour. It seemed like a lot of people in the state were into the band. And at the time... The band had like 7,000 Facebook likes. So to me, that meant that the band was famous. Um, <laughs> and I would I would say, no, we're not really famous. But deep down, I was like, yeah, man, we're famous. Um, <laughs> and then after, you know, selling tickets to shows, I was like, you know, I don't think famous bands sell tickets to shows. I guess we're not famous. Those <laughs> of you in bands, you know, the, the struggle of pre-sale tickets. That's the thing. It's the worst. Definitely is. Oh, yeah. Delivering to people, meeting up with people at the venue. It's a grind, but yeah, I sold many a ticket in my day. So anyone listening that sells tickets, just know that it's sometimes a thing that happens. So Shower Intent, you know, had that AP released. Um, We did it on Beheading the Trader, this YouTube channel. It didn't really reach anyone. And I was like, yeah, I didn't expect much. It's stupid music that no one would ever care about. 
But for some reason, because we were dissatisfied, we decided we were going to redo the songs and we were going to do five more songs. So we made a 10 song album. And all I really did for the project was record Ben, like handled getting the logo and the artwork and promoting it. And I sort of just like, yeah, you write the, you do what you want and I'm going to record it and write it. And then that's my involvement. And then wow. when we released the full length album, I see like more and more people, you know, sharing it and posting about it, which was surprising yeah. to me because I didn't think that would happen. I had zero sure. expectations. So right. Ben was really like doing a fantastic job of just promoting it to all these people and it really caught on in a good way. So at that point, I became a little more interested in it. I was like, all right, well, seems there's some potential here, so maybe I'll put a little more time into it. But okay. Ben didn't really want to be the bad guy and say no to people and handle like emails and business stuff. So he was like, feel more comfortable if I did it. I'm like, that's fine. Okay. So I started doing, you know, more merch orders, you know, answering business questions for the band yep. and a little later later that year parents got a manager and signed to a label a year after and you know got an agent and had this whole team set up conversely i you know didn't you know still didn't take shower intend that seriously so anyone that would ask to like sign the band or manage us i was like no that's okay you know we don't take it that seriously there's no point in you like sure getting in on it we'd rather just have control of it you know that's you know how it went and now fast forward i'm continuing to run the emails and manage the band and do the business just like on a bit larger scale so basically that's how i became you know the manager of the band is i just was handling the questions and when we'd get like to the point where we we're playing shows we'd get tour offers ben would be like oh it's up to chris so ben would like wow. you know be the good cop I'm like yeah ask chris and then i'd be bad cop i'm like uh chris says no sorry <laughs> yeah and that's kind of what a manager is it's, it's the bad cop and sure sometimes I like to please everybody the best i can but in that case a lot of times it just makes sense to say no to people and just keep keep it self-contained yeah. yeah it's it seemed like it was sort of like a natural thing to just happen you sort of fell into it because ben uh wasn't interested in doing it and here you are exactly so that's a really cool uh a really cool story do you find that you have just as much freedom um in currents making business decisions as you do uh in shadow of intent these days or um are you not as involved in the decision making process anymore now that you have uh, your manager on board and you have a team around you you know everyone has a say so that we have an agent we have a manager scott lee we have the label sharp tone records and then we have five band members so there's a lot of discussion versus shower intent there's no label to argue with we have a great agent who pretty much sees eye to eye with me on everything we mm -hmm. kind of have the same vision for the band which is nice you know we want to keep doing you know headlining stuff the best we can but we also want to get on as many big shows and tours as we can of and course not worry about the in-between stuff we'd rather you know just spend that time making music so instead of worrying about touring six months out of the year we just tour a little less and if we have to miss a little bit of touring to write more or wait for better offers that's just kind mm -hmm. of what we decide to do but yeah in answer to your question 
there's less people to argue with in Chauvin tent because there's not really that kind of team. Um, right. So I would say I have a bit more decision making freedom in Chauvin tent being the manager. But, you know, a good band, I think, is a democracy. You know, I still want to know what everyone thinks in Chauvin tent as well as what everyone thinks in Currents. And I think hearing right. different viewpoints yeah. allows for better decision making. So. Even though I don't have as much freedom, I still appreciate hearing the perspectives of experienced people. Definitely makes sense. Let's take a step back or maybe a step forward and talk about um, what the writing process looks like um, when it comes to fleshing out a shadow of intent song. Um, Where do you start? Where do you grab inspiration from? um, And what's your process look like? Writing for Shadow Intent is kind of just a culmination of everything I've heard in my life, especially metal, of course. Some of the stuff I actually wrote recently was from like a soundtrack, like an orchestral soundtrack from Attack on Titan. Cool. There's actually a really good season two soundtrack that I really liked. Um, But usually it just happens. I'm just playing guitar and finding like a riff I like. Once I have the riff down, the rest of the song follows. I always have a song structure in mind. The way I think of it is I, you know, have my chorus, at least two choruses generally. I have my verse sections and then a bridge section. And basically the bridge uh, can be anything. It can be solos, can be anything, you know. Sure, and so sure. I just think of it very loosely. But I always, you know, have, you know, repeating parts in the songs, like a theme to return to. Okay, so that's something that's consistent throughout the entire writing process. You always have that in mind. Yeah, so every once in a while, I'll purposely make like an outlier song that is a little more progressive and has less conventional song structure. But generally, you know, I'll have choruses in there, bridge, verse, whatever. But I try to approach it differently for different songs. I tr- you know, don't want to write the same song over and over, you know. And that's pretty much it. I go through the song and I listen. Like today, I literally listened to the whole song seven times before I knew what to put next. I just was listening over and over until I was like, what should come after this? So it's definitely very painstaking. But it all happens on Logic. Everything is written and recorded at the same time. And that's pretty much it, I think. When you're fleshing out that first riff, where does that first riff come from? You you said you're just noodling around and exactly. Eventually, that's all I can do. Comes out, just cool. keep playing until I have something I like, and if I never make something I like, then I can't write a song. It just <laughs> doesn't happen. And what about for currents? How's the process different, if it is at all? It's the same, but I pick up a seven-string guitar instead of a six-string guitar. It's as simple as that. So do you think there's a difference in fan reception between deathcore and metalcore? I do notice at a current show, I can see more people singing along the words. I'm not sure Mm -hmm. if that's because the words are difficult to understand in shallow intent. There's a lot of fast stuff going on, and the vocals are a little lower. If that's what you mean by reception, I do see the crowd singing along in metalcore. And then for uh, like the death metal stuff, I think it might be a little more guitar appreciative. I see more people doing okay. the, uh, you know, talking more about the guitar stuff at the end of the show, you know. Yeah, I don't know if there's that much difference because it, uh, it's all metal. So there's still going to be moshing 
and whatever. So I think that's not changing. It's sure. more just, I would say, the singing along for lack of anything else, you know. It's interesting that you mentioned that um, when it comes to the death metal crowd or the deathcore crowd, they, they're focusing much more on guitars versus vocals. Because I guess coming from a band like the Afterimage, we would think that that perspective is completely flipped, where the metalcore community cared way more about what was going on with guitars and were way more impressed by that um, versus the death metal and deathcore community are completely fixated on how awesome the vocals are. So People care way more about shadow intense vocals than the guitars. I think sure, that's right, absolutely right. true. You can look at Ben's followers and then you can look at mine and there's, there's no contest. <laughs> right. So I think that's still true. You see, I guess it's not really genre. It's just how you write the music. So you can write deathcore and not have any guitar solos. And that's a thing. True. Shadow Intent just happens to have guitar solos in every song. Yeah, that's true. Right. We don't have any yeah. solos, actually. Yeah. So I'd say it's not the genre. It's more just how you write the music and what you draw people's attention to. Okay, cool. So let's, let's pivot to talking a little bit more about um, taking your business expertise and giving some guidance to some of our listeners who are in some younger bands or some local bands. Um, I think... You know, hearing from people like you is super important because you've been through it all the way from the beginning and you can offer a really unique perspective. So my first question around this is, um, is there anything that upcoming bands in the scene um, you think might overlook when they're trying to uh, build up their band, maybe from a business perspective? And if there is, um, what do you think those things are and what do you think they should be fixated on instead? I mean, one important thing... That goes hand in hand with the business is the music too. And I think people sometimes don't try to really be good. And people will say, oh yeah, this one member of my band isn't really that good. But it's okay. We're still going to do it. And it's mind-blowing because they know that they're not good. They still have you know expectations. They expect the world to like cater to them. But they're not putting sure. the work in. To be good, because it's a very competitive thing. There's a lot of good bands out there, and if you're not going to try to be good, then you might need to rethink that. So definitely people need to be developing their ear, but they also need to realize that having good music and sometimes even unique music that stands out is very important, and you can't just be mediocre and... Yep. Try specifically to be generic and like try to get a guy that can kind of sing and a guy that can kind of scream and just go from mm -hmm. there and have these expectations. I think people need to. I just see that so much is that people literally try to be generic and try to be like a slightly worse version of everything else that's out there and then have these unrealistic yeah. expectations of what's going to happen so that's number one number two is bands may place an over importance on touring and yeah. by that i mean they think if we don't tour then we're never going to get anywhere and i don't think that's true i think you know establishing yourself making sure you have the best possible music best possible recordings and you know developing an image and an internet presence is super important versus yep. you 
spend all the time you could have spent practicing and writing better songs. You're just trying to be on the road playing to, you know, 10 or 50 people or whatever and thinking labels don't want to sign a band unless they have touring experience. Maybe to some degree, but I don't think you need to try to tour year round, even for a month or two out of the year. You just really need to say that you have toured and that you're capable of doing it. And I think that's enough for them. They don't need to see that you've hit every city in the world. They don't really care about that. They just care that you're good and that they believe in you and that you're able to make it happen. So that's important. Um, Another thing is I remember when Currents got a manager and started getting opportunities, everyone said, oh, man, we really need a manager. We really need an agent. We really need a label or stuff like that. They just think like any manager will do or any agent will do. And then, you know, they're set. And that's not what's most important. The music is always going to be what's most important. And even to some degree, your image, just making sure that you're the best you can be. And that stuff can come later if you, you know, just work hard at being good. And then this is like arguably the most important outside of that is just making sure you're networking and making good impressions. So what that means is that you're meeting as many people as you can, treating everyone like they're important. And somewhere down the line, that person might be able to help you out. And so you should try to help them out if you can and just have a good network of people, hopefully smart people that motivate you um, and make good impressions on them. And if you can't make a good impression, then maybe work on that first. And a good impression is as simple as either being nice or just being really good at what you do. And if people can take note of that and you build a big network of people, you're really setting yourself up for success a lot more. Yeah, I I 100% agree with that last point. Chris, let's talk about your reaction to the uh, headlining tour that just happened. Yes. So I was definitely blown away. I had, you know, projections of how it would do. And it basically doubled, almost doubled what I thought it would do, which is great. It's great. Um, I don't know if I just had low expectations, but I think everyone on the tour had expectations that were far exceeded. So it's definitely attributed to having a great lineup of bands. I like tried really hard to find out every band that was available that would be a good fit and Mm -hmm. made sure that they were on the tour. And it worked out. I was able to get all the bands that were on like my initial list. Well, so I had like a list of like 10 bands or something and every band on the tour was on that list. So, you know, I was able to get a good package of bands and, you know, sometimes people are like, oh, I could see Shadow Intent another time maybe, but can I see them with Signs of the Swarm, Brand of Sacrifice, Inferi? Maybe not. So make sure you see that show sure. when you can, you know? So I think... The tour went really really well, and it was a team effort, but I'm very grateful for how everything went. So you were sort of the driving force behind sort of picking the bands for that tour, and um, I'm assuming you probably worked with your agent a lot on that too. I'm curious to hear what that process is like, like building a headlining tour from start to finish. You know, we the agent had 
you know, markets he was reaching out to, cities. And I knew that we needed good bands for the tour to go, go well. And so Brain of Sacrifice, for example, was just coming off a Rings of Saturn tour. And some people would say they just toured these areas. They're going to provide less value. And maybe there's some truth to that. But I still think that you guys provided more value than a lot of bands that would have done the tour that may not have already played their cities. Signs of the Swarm, this is a big secret, but almost didn't make it onto the tour because of some miscommunications, wow. you know, between agents. But I luckily saw them at a show that we played in Georgia and went up to them and asked them about it. And we straightened everything out. And we were, literally, if I didn't see them at that show, they probably wouldn't have done the tour because of the miscommunication. So I was able to get them on the tour. In Fury, I was friends with this guy, Malcolm, their guitar player on Facebook for a while. And I noticed a lot of people are into the band and I really wanted a metal band, not a deathcore band, to round out the tour. Sure. Because I like the thing of Shaman 10 as not just a deathcore band, but a metal band in general. So I, right. every time we headline, I do want to try to have at least one band that's not deathcore. That doesn't have breakdowns and that focuses more on like the riffs and solos. Yeah, that's fair. So that we can, you know, appease both sides of our fan base. The people that care about like the technical melodic stuff and the people that just want the breakdowns. I think the package turned out really well. And and very honestly did way better on the tour than I expected. I, you know, knew they had fans, but they really, you know, Mm -hmm. performed really well on the tour they they broke they some great yeah. some records so yeah putting together the package was you know there was a lot of bands we went through but i think we ultimately got the best bands we could have gotten all the cities were booked and we basically get bids from different promoters in different areas and picked all the nicest venues available with like the nicest offers um in the cities that i thought would do well and the agent thought would do well. Um, and we really tried, for all our St. Louis fans, we really tried to play St. Louis on the tour, but there was really no availability. All the rooms were booked already. I'm sorry, St. Louis people. We'll try to get you next time. Shout out to yeah. St. Louis. And thank you for bringing us on that uh, on that run. I thought it was a lot of fun um, for what I saw. And yeah, it, it's yeah it was great. We had a great time, so. Absolutely, anytime. And my final question for you before we move on to questions from our listeners surrounds Currents. You guys just put out a new song called Second Skin. Um, And my question for you around this is, this song, is it um, a good, well-rounded indication of what's to come on the next Currents record? And what are you most excited about um, on the new record? The two songs we put out so far are not by any means the two best songs on the record, in my opinion. Uh, Our label specifically said, we don't want to blow loads, which means don't put out the best songs first. (laughs) So I'm very happy about that. Because on one hand, you know, your singles are what people that don't listen to the whole album end up hearing. So I would, you know, on one hand, rather they hear the best songs. But on the other hand, there will be more singles before the album comes out that are surrounded with the album release. Sure. So I'm glad that we still have best songs coming later so second skin is a pretty good indication 
definitely better indication than Poverty of Self. Poverty of Self, you know, is the heaviest song of the whole record. And Second Skin is a little okay. more similar to the rest of them. But I still think the other songs still sound pretty different from Second Skin. So, yes and no, I would say. But as far as what I'm most excited about, there's a song called Monster that I think, with any luck, will be our biggest song. I hope it does, because I'm going to feel really stupid if it doesn't become our biggest song. But I have a very good feeling about it. And then there's another song called Flag to Wave that I guess will be the next single, which is kind of competition for that song. So one of those two songs will probably become our biggest song in like a year, if I had to guess. But the album should, you know, be out in the summer. Very cool. You you want to you wanna place your bets? Which one's going to be bigger? <laughs> I really want Monster to be bigger, but I'm afraid that Flag to Wave might get pushed more. So, but... Okay. We'll see. We will see. Fingers crossed on that. So we're going to move over to our segment where we kind of fly through some questions from our listeners on Instagram. It's called the lightning round. Lightning round, yeah. So first question is, what bands did you listen to growing up? Give us like five, top five. I started with the Beatles at a very young age, and that was, you know, the only band I knew because I didn't know what metal was until Guitar Hero 3. Um, and then finally in high school, I like made a top five list. So I had Metallica, Slipknot, Killswitch Engage, Event Sevenfold, and Machine Head. And then later on, Dream Theater kind of made it somewhere into that list. I'm not sure where, but yeah, those are some of the favorites. Next question from a fan. Favorite songs to play live in either band? So, best song for Currents is Into Despair. There's always the best crowd reaction. It's not super demanding with my left hand, so it's easier to move around a little bit more. And then there's a breakdown, which always has the most people that know the words, which is a lot of fun to hear like the crowd shout at us. And then for Shadow Intent, my favorite song would be Grave Singer. Because again, it's not super demanding to play. Um, it's pretty fun to play. And there's an intro where Ben gets the crowd chanting. That always adds like a nice energy to the song. So those would be my two picks. What is your favorite guitar tuning? And what's your live setup like to get your tone? So I thought about this question and I really think I don't have a favorite, but I definitely have guitar tunings that I don't like. I don't like drop A and I don't like drop G. For some reason, I like always try to write melodic stuff. And for some reason, oh, and by the way, when I write, I always try to use a key that has the open in it. So like the zero on the low string. Mm -hmm. So if I just wrote in keys that didn't use that, then the tunings wouldn't matter as much, but I always like to have the open available. So G and A for some reason don't sound right to me when I try to write stuff. So really anything else is great. And I will say that I've never tried writing in drop D flat. So that's drop D, but a half step below. For some reason, I always just went 
right to drop yeah. C or below, and I just never really messed with that tuning. I think Lingen Park has some songs on that tuning. That's yeah, that's a classic like grunge rock type tuning as well. Yeah, it worked for them. Yeah, I really like all tunings. I can make them all work, but those two just I don't want to write in ever. And then my live setup is just an Axpex Ultra that I got back in 2012 that I still have. And that goes right into the PA, so there's no cab involved. And the amp on the Axpex that I usually use is called Recto New. So that's, I assume, like a Mesa clone or whatever. Okay, very cool. Uh, another question from a fan. What's it like balancing both bands? Do you find it difficult? It's very difficult. I don't get a lot of time home. I mean, that's the hardest part, just not getting a lot of time home. I like to be able to sure. go to the gym and shower and sleep in a bed every day, and I don't always get to do that. But it's very motivating at the same time because there's times when I think one band is going to slow down and level off and like, ah, oh, we peaked, we're slowing down, the dream is dead. And then something happens like when currents you know got endorsed by ibanez or mm -hmm. the last tour currents there was silent planet really just made me more motivated than ever for currents and then shower and 10 we're on the despised icon tour we hadn't toured for a year but our album just came out it far you know surpassed our expectations of what was going to happen even our headlining tour far surpassed what we thought so I always think one band is like about to one up the other and then the other band, you know, surprises me and they're just both growing pretty well. So it's pretty cool to see, you know? Yeah, you've done a really great job, man. It's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. So we're shouting 10 ever tour with Currents. Um, I, I phrased it unlikely, but hopefully. So what that means is that none but me really wants to do that. I think it would be awesome. That would be cool. Yeah. There's this weird thing. I think part of it is when bands are similar in size, there's not as much of a desire to play under the other or, you know, or even co-headline. Right. Right. Because it makes like assumptions about the band's perception and size. So I think that's part of it. Um, even sure. for a local show, I don't think other band w would want to play under the other. So unless a band like far surpasses the other and then it makes sense, I don't know if it would happen. That's a small part of it, I think, um, or a big part. I'm not okay. really sure. There haven't really been many discussions, but I'll bring it up every year or two and say, hey, what if both bands played some shows together and it just never happens? But I hope it does. Yeah, I, th I think you guys have touched on this with the release of your last record, but our fans are asking this question. Do you ever plan on writing another Halo-themed album? I feel like we won't, but at the same time, it's anything's possible, but okay. we are trying to, you know, diversify everything and not limit ourselves. But maybe... Halo will come out with the best story ever, and Ben will want to touch on it or something. We'll see. All right, this next one um, is a very unique question. What's a memory that makes you happy every time you think about it? So the answer to that is just various things that my girlfriend does. She's very funny, and 
I like funny things. I, my friend called me a man of laughter and that's all I care about is just being funny and being around funny people. And she's a very funny person. Mm. She has like a bunch of funny faces and funny dances and funny phrases she says and like funny voices and literally anything she does <laughs> always makes me happy and laugh. Just like thinking about it. And I'll, you know, sometimes randomly think about it um, at random times and makes me smile, you know? I love that, man. It's mad cute. Mad cute. Yeah, it's very cute. Very wholesome. Who do you think inspires you the most, uh, whether it's, you know, just as a person or musically? There's a few people. One of the top on the list is uh, Will Putney. He's a producer. And he's got a Grammy or Grammy nominated, something like that. But he's, you know, started very small and just worked his way up and has been Mm -hmm. producing a lot of bands and he's developed an insane workflow. He's got assistants at his studio with him, making sure that his time is spent on the most important tasks. Um, And similarly, there's a... Drew Folk, who has also just grown so massively, and just seeing the level they took to the production world and the name they've made for themselves, and just starting small. I so Will was you know assistant to this producer uh, machine who did a lot of metal bands, and mm-hmm. then he just learned from him and became a big producer himself. And Drew Folk, I remember he messaged me like. Five or six years ago, because I posted in the Chango forum. I'm sure you guys know that yep. forum thing. Um, oh yes. Uh, asking if I needed like any production for my band, and I was like, "Oh, this guy looks pretty good, but I might want someone with more experience." And then five or six years later, he's literally like among the biggest producers. He helped little little Wayne write a song been writing with five finger death punch he's just been working with all the biggest names and it's you know inspiring to see that if you just work hard and be good at what you do these things can happen um and i've become really good friends with his assistant jeff dunn that'll mix all his projects and yeah just hearing jeff's stories about everything is really inspiring too jeff is a really Cool guy and then another guy Randy Pascarella who lives 20 15 20 minutes away from me but he produced the first uh, two current CPs he makes the first show and 10 album and he now is a full-time producer um, he's married and has a kid and he supports them both off of producing alone he used to, you know, have a part-time job wow. at ShopRite, but I remember the day he quit and just became full-time. And just seeing him support a family off of doing production is really inspiring. So, really anyone who's been able to take music and turn it into a career is super inspiring. And then as far as musicians who've done it, Caleb Shomo is an amazing success story. He had a band mm-hmm. called Attack mm-hmm. Attack. And now he has a band called Beartooth. But when he was 15 or 16, he was already touring and signed and didn't even 
finish high school the normal way like that and he just was really good at writing music and became really good at vocals and just became successful through hard work and talent john petrucci i don't know as much about because he's older and i haven't been following him through his younger years but he plays guitar in dream theater sure sure um been around forever but as far as just like a musician he's like one of the people i aspire to be just so precise with everything he does and writes really cool riffs so if someone was happening to ask what who inspires me musically it would probably be him definitely a pioneer and uh i used to uh, like watch his videos and listen to him a lot. I don't as much anymore. I should probably get back into it because he's got like a great practice routine and everything. Yeah. But anyway, um, this is going to be the final question, um, and it comes from a fan. I mean, the, the the question was fave bands, which I think is very basic. But let's put a little spin on it. Let's talk about your favorite five active metalcore and five active deathcore or death metal bands right now. Brutal. So, I know my top three for metalcore at the moment: Silent Planet, Invent Anime, and Northland. Um, all three of these bands mm-hmm. are putting out really modern, creative music right now. Yeah, and they're doing super well with it. Um, Humanity's Last Breath is a cool one. Um, mm-hmm. I'll just say air for the time being because i really liked them from the start and they've all become really good friends of mine so if you haven't heard era either check them out i know you guys toured with them way back yeah we did way back and invent anime oh yeah oh yeah oh, that's right invent was yeah, also that's awesome. that story, yeah so yeah and then for the death metal side we'll, we'll even include the black metal too there's a uh, doom board gear it's awesome septic flesh it's mm-hmm. awesome Flesh God Apocalypse. Surreption is one that doesn't get enough love, but I think Mm -hmm. they put out the right album. They're gonna do really well. And just something for the death poor world. I I might as well just say Brand of Sacrifice, you know? Why not? No, you can't. That's a cop out. (laughs) (laughs) Aside from Brand of Sacrifice, we'll just say Whitechapel, just because we're about to do some touring with them and we did their 10-year tour for this is exile and it was you know a really good tour really good album and the new stuff they're putting out they're starting to incorporate some singing and i think i like the songs that has him singing better than the songs that don't have him singing i think he's really nailed like a good singing voice it kind of is like a mix between yeah maynard from tool and Ivan from Five Crater Death Punch and Corey Taylor from Slipknot. And it's all like absolutely yeah, melded really into cool. like a really iconic voice that I think a lot of people can connect with. So if you haven't heard Phil Bozeman sing yet, definitely check it out because it's it's really good. Chris Wiseman, thank you so much, man. Thank you. For coming on the show. Really appreciate your time here. Anything else you wanna shout out before we sign off? Um any bands need help songwriting or producing for their songs i am going to be home a lot this year because of the virus so (laughs) Mm -hmm. hit me up if you need anything
you heard it here first. Hit up Chris if you need help songwriting or mixing or what have you. He will kill it. Thank you, man. Thank you really again. appreciate your Thank time, you. dude. Take care, guys. Thank you so much for listening to The Boss Pod. If you guys enjoy what you're hearing, please consider buying some merchandise from our store at brandofsacrifice.bigcartel.com. All profits go directly to the band themselves. As always, we appreciate you so much, and we hope to be back on the road soon and see all your very pretty faces once again. Boss out.